The SysEP Center is launching a two-part podcast on practice profiles. A practice profile is one tool you can use to operationalize your practice or program. Often we are in exploration and select a specific practice. It is missing the core components that would make it learnable, teachable, doable, and accessible. For this two-part series, we will be interviewing the team members from the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction and the teachers that jumped on board to help define instructional practices for early literacy. From the CISEP team with the National Implementation Research Network, this is Implementation Science for Educators, your weekly implementation science tip to support your work at the state, regional, district, and building levels. For this podcast, we are going to be discussing the importance of engaging diverse perspectives, the voices and expertise of those in schools, districts, and regional agencies doing the hard work of teaching and co-learning in every step of the implementation process. Your story is of engaging a great team for the development of a practice profile. The process by which you wanted to name and operationally define key practices for phonemic awareness and engagement with collections of text. I'm super excited to hear your story. So this is going to be the first part where we're gonna be focusing on you as the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction. So let's kick off with some introductions to get things going. For this podcast, we are going to be discussing the importance of engaging diverse perspectives, the voices and expertise of those in schools, districts, and regional agencies doing the hard work of teaching and co-learning in every step of the implementation process. Your story is of engaging a great team for the development of a practice profile. The process by which you wanted to name and operationally define key practices for phonemic awareness and engagement with collections of text. I'm super excited to hear your story. So this is going to be the first part where we're gonna be focusing on you as the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction. So let's kick off with some introductions to get things going. I'm an education consultant at the Department of Public Instruction. Um, I my, my work prior to DPI is focused on general education and teaching reading. Um, one of my favorite books to share is Last Stop on Market Street. Um, it's set in San Francisco and um, it's a beautiful story about a young boy and his grandma taking the bus um, to the local uh, a church that has a food pantry. And um, for some kids in Wisconsin, the book is uh, a mirror and shows uh, an urban life like they have. And for other kids in Wisconsin, they're seeing things that they don't realize are part of communities, um, like buses, um, which we don't have in many of our rural communities in Wisconsin. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Melissa Kahn. I am a state transformation specialist um, in my work with CISEP uh, at the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction. And I function as an implementation specialist um, in a consultant role on the special education team. Um, I would say I am a former um, middle school social studies teacher. And um, I always really, it seems weird to say this, but I always um, really enjoyed when my students 
um, got into the time period um, where we were learning about the Holocaust. And so a lot of um, like some of the um, historical fiction and um, biographical um, stories about the Holocaust, um, really any like night or number of the stars or those kinds of things. And I'm out of the classroom for a while. So um, those are ones that just, it seemed like that, that theme of resistance um, was something that was really captivating for eighth grade students um, and just generated a lot of um, discussion and dialogue around them. So just really enjoyed um, making sure that students had access to and, and read, those, read those stories. Thanks, Rebecca. Hi, everybody. Scott Brown. I'm an implementation specialist working with DPI um, on a variety of our statewide supports. Um, a book actually that I just read with my daughters and one of them found it really captivating for some reason and really couldn't put it down was by Patricia Polacco. She's one of my favorite authors anyway, as a former elementary classroom teacher. Um, but it was it's called In Our Mother's House. And it's a story of two moms who adopt uh, several children, um, different races, genders and all of that. And it really is the story of their family from when they're little kids all the way through when they became elderly and passed on. I love it because it, even in the like, she hints at some of the prejudices and and um, microaggressions that they experience as a family, but it's all centered on their joy and celebration and the love that they share as a family, and it and it doesn't depict their family in any way as victims or as less than, but as really just rel relishing in their own joy and love as a family and we and I, I love that book we're going to kick things off and the first question that i'm going to send is towards mel um mel you have engaged in the process of developing a practice profile before what did you learn from that process that you brought with you to this process uh, yeah, thanks, Rebecca. Um, we have been at the work of focusing on implementation in our efforts uh, here in Wisconsin, um, sort of going back all the way to 2015. Um, and Mary Jo, who's joining us today, actually was um, connected to some of our early efforts. And um, we had the sort of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed notion that we could uh, support districts and schools just in kind of the big ideas around implementation without necessarily having a focus to our work when we first engaged um, in those districts and schools. And what that created was a situation where we were talking about a lot of theory and a lot of really great ideas about ways of work and the frameworks of implementation, but absent of usable innovation, absent a particular focus um, around which to anchor those frameworks. It was really challenging. Um, there were a lot of ideas that we talked about with the district teams with whom we were engaging at that time. Um, and the process of developing a practice profile is super meaningful. Um, I hope I hope our friends joining us today will give voice to that. Um, but it's not like the most straightforward, easy, kind of casual thing that you can just throw together. It's pretty intense. Um, it requires a lot of 
um, really deep thinking and um, kind of alignment of a lot of different ideas. And the fact that we did not have a focus to our work meant that we were shifting the burden of developing that practice profile down to our districts and schools in that initial attempt at um, engaging in the implementation of uh, certain practices um, with those districts and schools. And so we all know what the burdens are and what the lifts are that districts and schools and their staff have um, in the day-to-day -day and, and trying to, to also then ask a district or school team to, in addition to developing all the systems and structures to implement a practice, to also figure out how to define and operationalize a practice was just too much. It was exhausting. It was burdening the districts um, in a way that was just not sustainable. And so we learned and we committed to the um, fact that when, if and when we had the opportunity to try this again, to in essence almost have a do-over, that we at the state level, first and foremost, had to commit to Number one, what our focus was, and in Wisconsin, it is a focus on early reading strategies, early literacy strategies, and um, we would not begin the work with district and school teams until and unless we had those practices clearly defined and operationalized in a practice profile. We also um, really recognized that while we didn't want to center the state in the development of the practice profile, we at the state level played a critical role in facilitating and initiating the overall process. And so I hope you'll hear, hear from others today how some of those pieces came together um, that leveraged the role of the state in supporting the development of the practice profile while situating and centering different voices in that process. Thank you, Mel. So Scott, why did you feel the need to develop a practice profile? Well, I'll piggyback again a couple of things that Melissa shared. Um, one is prioritizing the needs of our end users. And for us, that's the folks who are in schools and districts and doing the work with real kids every day. Um, we learned, as Melissa said, from the first time around with this, if we don't initiate um, and lead the development of a clearly defined practice, it just makes the lift of those folks in schools and districts significantly heavier and efforts kind of stall at that point because they're trying to figure out what it is they're doing. It also lends itself to a lot of clarity around what districts are partnering with the state to do, because we can articulate a specific practice that we're looking to install, what they're able to get from it, uh, what DPI is committing to it, and what they're committing to it. And absent in it, it's really hard to define all of those things. We also knew part of the practice profile development process is bringing together stakeholders and, and interested parties and collaborators who are in schools and districts doing work with kids and leveraging their expertise in the process. One of the things that we're trying to move away from in our work with CISA and implementation science 
is the notion of, of only communicating outwardly kind of from DPI, from the state level to schools, but it's really meant to be a bi-directional partnership and, and a big part of defining a practice comes from the folks who are in classrooms working with kids because they bring the day-to-day -day expertise and the training and experience and all of that to really make it the best the best and most usable product possible that those of us who have been out of the classroom for a while and who are working in a, in a primarily regulatory compliance or systems level work we just don't have that perspective anymore we we we, we were too distanced from that um we also know that the the profile is a way to clearly define what it is we're doing so that we don't come at something with different interpretations of what we mean. So in our case, our practice profile is around um, building background knowledge through text collections and uh, phonics instructions, essentially. You, if you were to ask various folks in our state what those things are, you're going to probably get different variations on a theme. And so we wanted to be really clear through developing a profile what it is we mean when we say that. And it also gives us the ability to measure impact, to measure fidelity, and to, and to really have clear data around what it is we're doing and whether or not we're having the impact we want to have. Thank you, Scott. I, I appreciated your, your response to that question. Now, Barb, how did you arrive at the instructional practices you identified for early literacy? I know that what makes the biggest difference for young people is a lot of rich exposure to literacy in all of its forms. That the more we talk and the more we go on field trips and the more we draw and the more we play um, and the more we have joy in our classrooms, that that all carries into literacy development. Um, we're at a place politically um, and almost in pop culture as well, that we um, are talking about phonics instruction all the time. And so part of the profile is about explicit and systematic phonics instruction. And part of the profile is about building background knowledge through collections of texts. Um, one of the things that I think is particularly significant about the background knowledge through collections of texts is that it allows us to really talk about student identity and student culture and student ethnicity. Um, and we've built that into the um, phonics profile as well. Um, it also is a, the collections of texts are also a place to work on vocabulary development and background knowledge development. I sure wish writing was included in the profile. I sure wish talking about books was included in the profile. Um, I sure wish reading comprehension was included in the profile more explicitly. Um, but that would have been a master's level course of study um, and not a practice profile. Um, so that is how we, I, I think that's the story of how we arrived sort of hesitantly. Um, towards a, a more narrow focus on two components of early literacy. There's so many elements. Don't you wish you could have just included them all in one magical document and make it easy? It's well, so I work hard. I worked on our state's coaching practice profile, which yeah. did which, which does do that. Um and and I think there's some I think there's some benefits to that, but I also think 
there's some benefits to focusing, um, narrowing our focus and then sort of zooming in and out. So what I loved about your work was that you drew in people from the field. So Mel, why was it important for you to engage those in the field? Again, coming from the state education agency, there is a lot of inertia that often draws us um, into uh, the status quo, um, the ways of doing things that are um, familiar and comfortable to us. And oftentimes that uh, when we do talk about engaging interested parties um, or collaborating with others, um, we uh, have the best of intentions, but oftentimes sort of flex back into, well, we'll have, you know, we want perspective of teachers, we'll rely on this person at the agency who was a classroom teacher, as opposed to actually bringing classroom teachers to the table. Um, because it's, it requires a lot of coordination. And sometimes I think we worry that we're burdening teachers and, um, you know, we we don't necessarily always do the best job of authentically bringing those voices to the table and we try to take shortcuts. Um, we knew, to Scott's point that he made earlier, that in order for this practice profile to really be effective, we needed it to resonate and to reflect and to make sense to those who would actually be using the practice profile in classrooms and schools. And so that was really, I think, something that we committed to very early on. I remember talking to um, my supervisor who, um, uh, you know, when I when we talked about who we were envisioning being a part of this and kept getting, well, what about this person on this team at DPI? And what about that person who represents this project at DPI? And we kept saying, we're going to end up with a group of 50 people and everybody that we're talking about is not currently in classrooms and working with students. And so we just, and Barb was a huge champion of this as well, the networks that she has established and built around the state um, in the world of literacy was a huge advantage for us to be able to sort of broker that into our work. Scott and I would not have been able to do that without Barb. So like a huge shout out um, to what she was able to, um, really bring into this project to strengthen it and the strong commitment that she had and then that we also had to ensure that practitioners were the ones informing primarily this practice profile as opposed to, as Scott said, somebody who's been out of the classroom for 20 or 25 years and just a lot more distance from the work. So that's something that's, that's a little shocking to me or it makes me really curious is, how did you narrow it down, right? There's so many quality, high quality teachers and bringing all those practitioners in. So Barb, can you describe your process for selecting those to be yeah. on the development team? Yeah, um, I think it's worth saying that as a department, as an SEA, we, we do very much work in silos. And the team that I was coming from foc is focused on literacy and mathematics. And we do all of our work. Um, with folks from the field. So when we revised our state's English language arts and math standards in the last couple of years, it was done by educators. Um, so we have a lot of processes that we use to 
to narrow it down. So uh, there's always a Google, a Google spreadsheet, <laughs> a beautiful Google spreadsheet that has the qualities that we're looking for. So um, we thought in terms of of sort of categories. We needed general education folks, we needed special education folks, maybe we wanted a director of special ed, maybe we wanted a curriculum director, we wanted someone from a regional agency. So we really started to think about categories that um, could be involved in this work. Um, then we for we brainstormed people that fit into each of those categories, and then for those folks we looked at demographics, um, race if we knew it, um, language background, region of the state that they worked in, and then from there, we sort of play. Um, I don't even I don't even know what the metaphor would be, but um, we start choosing people so that we have a team that's racially diverse and geographically diverse that includes all of the roles that we're looking for. We did start recruiting people in um, late fall of 21. Is that is that right? So I'm looking to my colleagues to nod at me. Um, it wasn't a real great time to be asking people to take on extra things. Um, so we ended up with an amazing team. Um, were there other positions that we could have added to the team? Definitely. Will we pick up those voices in the feedback process? For sure. Um, and when we generated that sizable list of people, um, we also, the people that we didn't choose or didn't approach are then also people that we can use for feedback later. My colleagues and I just work hard to, to really always be out there um, mixing and mingling and making small talk and... Um, all right, so that leads me right into a question for Scott because it's all about brokering, right? So could you explain how you brokered other resources and expertise in the process? Yeah, so we recognize the limits of our own expertise, and that's really the basis for brokering, at least in my mind. Um, we knew, for example, Melissa and myself, we've been involved to some degree in practice profile development, but we've not, we don't have backgrounds in early literacy. Um, Barb was, was the person on our team who really brought the reading background. So accessing her um, and her position on the literacy and math team was critical. Um, we also know, we also knew though that we wanted some support and expertise around just the practice profile development process. Never having led a team ourselves through that whole thing, we relied heavily on Sophia. <laughs> and so, so to model that for us and to kind of walk us through and make sure we were doing it in a way that made sense for the practitioners that we were bringing together, it actually led to the development of a process. We are we we wanted this to be as meaningful as possible to the folks who are going to use it, and that meant bringing a lot of different perspectives and lived experiences. That at least from the implementation science STS perspective, are beyond what what Melissa and I have. And so it it really was about who else. We were constantly asking who else should we be accessing. You know, who else do we need in terms of content expertise, process expertise, and those sorts of things to, to bring to the table to make it 
the best possible resource that it could be. When we were bringing in experts and both when we were making the the list of, of folks to participate on the team and folks to provide feedback, it was really important to me to make connections to existing work. We have some amazing um, resources related to reading foundational skills that we developed with, co with the first round of COVID money a million years ago, but really only two years ago. Um, and so it was important to me that the, de the department philosophy about explicit and systematic reading foundational skills instruction was consistent and coherent between the existing resources and the profile that was being developed. So we dipped into some of the same folks from the field who worked on those resources to serve on the team and to um, the expert that we brought in to develop background knowledge was also involved in the creation of the existing resources. And hopefully we'll be able to rely on um, perhaps some of those same folks and their expertise as we start to build out the professional learning opportunities related to the program. So I hate to stop the conversation there, listeners, but unfortunately, you're going to have to wait till next week to finish it up. Next week, the teachers and the practitioners from the field that joined the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction to define this practice profile are going to join the conversation. They bring in an amazing perspective around the work and how important it is to be, really be not only a voice to represent the teachers from the field, but also celebrate it within the field and really push for the excitement and the opportunities and the purpose behind the practice profile.